Uh, I do want to pray real fast and then we'll dive into the word though. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Christ Jesus. We thank you for your unceasing forgiveness and mercy and grace and love and justice and truth. And without those things, we wouldn't be here this morning, able to sit in this room without the shame that we bear. We come here clean. We come here ready to learn. We come here ready to fellowship, not just with each other, but with you, Lord, because of what Christ did on that cross, because of what we're going to learn about today. I ask you to speak to this room, Lord. May your Holy Spirit move in a mighty way. Some of us need to be lightly spoon-fed a simple truth. Some of us need to step up and start eating some meat. And we all have a level of understanding understanding and a stage of life that we're in, Lord, that only you truly know. So I ask you to speak to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I am excited, guys. This is a really, really great lesson. Uh, Not my lesson, the lesson. Uh, After going over the wrath of God and really seeing how it was necessary for Christ to take that anguish and to be in such misery so that we never have to go to the Lord that way, right? It was necessary for Christ to die on that cross. It was prophesied and promised and told to us that it was going to happen. It was necessary, but now we're here. The tomb is empty. Mary and the other women have gone and seen the empty tomb. They've come back to the disciples. They've reported. John and Peter have gone to the tomb. They got there. They saw the same thing. Christ is not here. But... Where we are today in Luke 24, we're going to start at 13. Uh, These are two disciples. This would not be, remember, it's not the 12 right now. It's the 11, okay, because Judas is out and Apollos is not in. So this is three days in. All right, intermission. All right, we're back. Okay, uh, this is three days in. Jesus has not appeared. They are defeated. They're confused. What happened? They've got a walk to go. I don't know if you guys ever walked to or from somewhere. I used to walk to school all through middle school and high school. It's like a mile. They walked seven miles, which is normal then, but I guess I'm lazy, so that seems like a lot. But that's, at the very least, we're talking a few hours, right? It would take you an afternoon to walk seven miles, especially if you're going at a casual pace and you're talking. So it says here in 13, now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. So this is Sunday. This is the Lord's day, the day that he was resurrected. But by this point, you could probably see even if they fully understood the idea that he was going to die and three days later he was going to rise again. Well, man, it's been a little while. It hasn't happened. And so they're walking home and they're discussing the things that had happened. But what it says here in 14, together they were discussing everything that had taken place. The, the discussion of the events, uh, the word that's used is, is it more accurately would fit like a debate. They both saw these things that have happened. One feels like, based on this, this is how we should go. One says, no, but this happened, and this happened. So this is what should be happening. They're confused. 
they're debating the events that have gone on in Jerusalem, right? The, the mock trials, the betrayals of Jesus, the hanging on the cross, the empty tomb. Well, not the empty tomb. The events that have gone down over the Passover, right? That's what they're talking about. That's what they're debating here. Um, verse 14, they were, they were discussing everything that had taken place, 15. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. Jesus himself walked with them. Why does it say it that way? Uh, imagine if you were in an argument with somebody and you're trying to call them out on something that they said. Not so-and-so said, Jason, you yourself said that to me, right? It's putting an extra level of emphasis on it. But what the writer's doing here is saying to you, of all people to come in this moment to profess the truth, Christ himself, Jesus himself appears among them and ask them what they're talking about. And what he says though, verse 17, I'm sorry, verse 16, but they were prevented from recognizing him. This is gonna be an important one, guys. We're gonna do a little bit of a grammar lesson as we're going here. This is a verb, and there are active and passive uses of verbs, right? If it was an active thing, it would be more along the lines of, I did this myself. If it's a passive thing, it was done upon me. It was done to me. It was caused by something else for my sake, right? So this is in the passive way saying that they were prevented from seeing. So God chose to keep them from seeing who it was that they were speaking to. And there's all kinds of ways we could get into what that means. Was he glowing? Was, you know what I mean? Was, did all of a sudden he just look so different? Maybe they were so heartbroken and they believed so fully that they were misled and wrong that Christ right before them it just wasn't making sense. They just saw him die, right? But it's really unimportant to get into those specifics. What's important is to see that it was passive, that God kept them from seeing and seeing truly who it was that they were speaking to. So why do you see Jesus rightly in our life? God, right? If you have seen Christ for who he truly is. It's a result of a supernatural work that God has done in your life. Um, so continuing through though, uh, we are at 16 and 17. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you're walking? Dispute, it, again, this is a funny one. Dispute is really, a better word would be like an argument. So Jesus is, has come upon them now and he's like, he's taking it a step farther from a debate. He's saying, you're fighting. What are you fighting about, right? What are you fighting about? And so they say, and they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? First, before we get into what that is saying, because that's a lot, I want you guys to think about something here. Imagine this. They're having a discussion. They're having a debate on the things that took place. And God himself appears in the conversation. Imagine what it would be like to us if we were in a conversation with someone and God just appeared. Oh, so that's what you talk about at dinner. Oh, so when you're with your coworkers and no one from church is around, that's what you're talking about. 
What would happen if, if Christ just appeared in our conversations? And I only say that just to encourage you to remember that God is always with us. He hears everything that we say. He knows our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. So that moment of just discussing and the Lord is there, I, I just didn't want to jump past that. That's a huge thing. But then what does Cleopas say here? Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? I wrote one word down in all caps on that one. Irony. I think, truly, this might be the most ironic statement in all of your Bible. In all of your Bible, have you ever seen someone put their foot, both feet in their mouth for that matter? The risen, crucified and risen Lord is there. Are you the only one who doesn't know? But it's him, right? So this here is just my weird brain trying to make a connection to today. Has anybody watched Undercover Boss in here? You see goods, bads, and really uglies on that show. Sometimes people get fired on the spot. People get promoted on the spot, all kinds of stuff. But one of the funniest moments that I ever saw on that show uh, I, I tried so hard, y'all. I scoured YouTube trying to find the clip. I couldn't find it. Uh, it's, it's like a probably 18-year-old, 19-year-old guy. He's got surfer hair. He's working retail at the equivalency of an academy, okay? And this, the CEO and president of the company comes to work with him for the day. And I'm not kidding you guys. I'm going to paraphrase, but this is really close. He looks at the boss, the owner, the new guy. All right, so here's what we're going to do today, bro. We're gonna go outside, we're gonna smoke some J's. We're gonna hit on some ladies, and we're gonna have a great day. <laughs> he said that to the president of the company. Foot in the mouth, right? So this guy, that is hilarious to me. Are you the only one who doesn't know? I think I know, right? Like, I think I know what I'm talking about. It's Jesus. He's there. So that was the whole point of all that. I just wanted you guys to think about when you are walking in your life and you're struggling with how this possibly makes sense with what God is doing. How is this for my good? How is this for my family's good? I just don't get it. Remember how often and how easily we can put our foot in our mouth. And another connection I want to make with that, okay, guys, is how many times have we put our foot in our mouths talking to somebody else? Because we don't know what battles they're going through. We don't know what victories they've overcome with the Lord. We don't know their journey, but we come out and say, are you the only one who fill in the blank, right? Are you the only one? We have no idea what this person is going through with the Lord, where they're at. And so I just think that's something for us to take as an application as we're going through this text. When we walk forward and we're sharing the gospel with people, when we're living our life with people, to take a beat, to ask what's going on, ask questions. Don't just jump to those accusations and, and accusing them like that, right? And so it says, and they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one Cleopas answered, are you the only one who doesn't know these things? Jesus responds, what things? What things? <laughs> I think that that is just brilliant to me. So following forward, it says, he asked them, so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people. I'm sure you can think of somebody that is considered powerful in action and speech among man. 
There's, there's celebrities, there's icons, there's business people that we would look at as someone who is mighty in action and speech, powerful in those things among men. But who is powerful in action and speech? Who is mighty in action and speech among God? Only Christ Jesus. So their, their theology here is right on the money. Their theology is solid. But what you need to see here is right theology will not solidify your hope. It will not give you hope. Proper belief in right theology, belief to the end, regardless of what happens along the way, will bring you hope. Knowing that regardless of today, God is on his throne. Christ is at the right hand of the Father, working all things for his glory and for the good of his people, all enemies under his feet. The last enemy is death, right? So who cares? What happens today? Who cares? God is in control. Uh, so that's why I'm saying the theology versus their belief in that theology, because these guys, as we continue through here, you're going to see they are being a little bit stubborn in their belief. They are being, what's the word I'm looking for? They're doubting. They might as well be Thomas in this stuff. But it says, uh, God and all people, verse 20, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. The one who was about to redeem Israel. He did redeem Israel. They didn't understand what that meant, right? They're thinking the Romans. Christ has redeemed them from the wrath of God forever. So their theology is really good. They're just, they're off on a couple of these things here. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. It's been three days. He's not here. We were wrong, right? We were wrong. Verse 22. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 24. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. So they didn't believe the word about Christ. They didn't believe the angel's testimony about Christ. They didn't believe the women's testimony. They didn't even believe Peter and John. These guys don't believe. They're, they've been misled. They do not believe. And that's where we're at now, 24. 25, though, when everything changes, he said to them, how Foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Moses would be Genesis, straight to the beginning. Genesis all the way through Malachi. They knew these things, but Jesus is going through and showing them that that's about me. The, the ark, that narrow door, that represents me and the path to heaven through me. That ladder, that's me. The way out, that's me. The fourth person in the fire, that's me. He's showing them this would be the greatest Bible study of all time. 
this is the reminder to someone like me that I could work at this for the rest of my life and at 60, 70 years old, I'd still be apologizing to you guys for not properly explaining this text. As best I do it, I can't do it like Christ did it. That would be the greatest Bible study of all time. And we don't know exactly what references he used. We don't have all of that, but there's two things we can do. First, we can look in the New Testament and see the countless references to the old that show us that Christ was who he said he was. But I did something today that I just wanted to do with you guys. We're gonna go through just four sections of scripture and just see how beginning to end, your Bible is like a symphony and it is playing one song. And that one song is that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords. The Bible from beginning to end is about Christ. So guys, I have Trey. Would you read Genesis 3.15, please? And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. You will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's called the Proto-Evangelium, the first promise of the Messiah coming. Jesus is already before that in Scripture, but that's Genesis 3. Jesus is on the scene, specifically being mentioned by, as the woman's seed, too, which is unique for people to talk that way. Psalm 22, 1, 2, 16, and 18. Will, I forgot to tell you which one I was going to have you read. I was wondering. I was like, <laughs> flipping around right now. I'm ready. I was like, okay, I'm going to be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. And then skipping to 16 through 18. For dogs have surrounded me, a gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. Caleb, Isaiah 53. All right, so <clears throat> yet was in our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and it was our thought that his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment from his own sins. And then verse 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole, and he was whipped so that we could be healed. Amen. And now Matt, Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose in Christ, as a plan for the right time, to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. Amen. So the Bible, from start to finish, is filled with the promises and the completions of those promises and the ways that we ought to live in light of those truths. But it's all about Christ Jesus. It's all coming back to him. And I just, guys, can you even imagine walking for a couple hours with Christ our Lord and having him say, what's your problem? Tell me the verse. I'll explain it to you. What is it? Tell me. Who do you say that I am? Well, who do they say that I am? Well, what about in Moses, what, where in Genesis, when he promises the seed? That's me. How are you not seeing this? How are you so slow to believe? So 
The two things that I think is really, really special and important for us to remember in today's day and age based off of what Jesus just did there, right? The first thing is there are, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but there are pastors in this nation right now who are encouraging us to do things like unhitch from the Old Testament. I'm not going to say names. I don't need to. That is the wrongest, most possibly evil thing that we could do to a body of believers. Why? Because from Genesis to Malachi, you have proof right there that Christ is the Messiah. Do you guys realize that? Does everybody in this room realize that you could prove Jesus Christ is the Messiah without touching the Gospels or anything in the New Testament? Next time you read the book of Isaiah, <laughs> 66 chapters, have fun with that one. Uh, Isaiah is broken down uh, older part and a, and a following part, the, the, the condemnation language and then the coming of the Messiah language, right? Fun fact, Isaiah is 66 chapters. Does anybody know how many, chapters, how many books are in our Bible? 66. 66. The whole first several chapters are talking about the condemnation language. That last little bit is talking about Christ. Does this sound a little bit like something? It sounds like our Bible. The book of Isaiah, John MacArthur famously said one time, I think truly it should be called the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Isaiah. Because it's one of the best gospel accounts that we have. It tells us of his life, his death, his resurrection, his propitiation for our sin, his atoning for the people that were lost. It's got it all. That's Old Testament. Never, ever, ever let someone convince you that we're a New Testament church. We don't need that stuff anymore. That is gold. It is gold. David would say things like, your law is more valuable than gold and silver to me. Find a way to find joy in the Old Testament, guys. Find Christ in those scriptures. Find him there. He's there. And it will make it all come to life like the new does, if you have that problem. Second thing, my little soapbox number two. If Jesus Christ, our Lord, felt it his duty to explain going from Genesis to Malachi, to these men, why should we, any one of us, not feel that same duty for our loved ones? For Because Christ loved them, right? We don't have that influence. And I'm not saying every single one of y'all is going to be a Bible teacher or a pastor or a preacher. I don't want that for every single one of you. What I want for you is the same thing that I want for me and the same thing I want for my kid is that you will walk in this world proud of what Christ has done, thankful that you're saved as a wretched sinner, made new, and so excited that all you want to do is explain it to other people. Let them see that that's Christ in the scriptures. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If that's Jesus's duty, and he's showing us that, why shouldn't we each day seek to do that in our own circle of influences, right? And if you can't do that, let that be a conviction today to start a Bible study plan. So you know what? I don't know my Old Testament like I know my New Testament. And I really want to be able to do this. I really want to. It'll change your life if you find a Jewish person coming to Christ as a result of Isaiah. It will change you. I promise you. So just that's my little soapbox for a moment. I'm jumping back down now. We're back in the Bible. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, verse 30 is where we're going to be next. Because it, it says that they came to a village and they invited Jesus to come have dinner with them. He comes in. Verse 30. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, 
and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. Remember the passive and active verbs that I was talking about before? This is the completion of that. Their eyes were opened in the passive. They didn't go boom. Christ opened their heart and their mind to see him rightly. Okay? But what it says right before that, I just think is really fun. It was was as he reclined at the table with them, and he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them, then their eyes were opened. I pray before each lesson. Do you guys notice that I pray very, very similarly? When you find something that's theologically true and right, sometimes it just sticks. As a man of God... Our Father, hallowed be, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That doesn't need any changing. You could just say it again. You could pray that every time. I'm saying that for a reason. Remember the last lesson I did when I talked about pray that you might not be led into temptation. And I made the connection to the Lord's prayer. The only thing that they even asked Jesus really to do. Teach us to pray. Lead us out of temptation. Lead us out into temptation. I'm going to try to make that connection one more time here and say... When he's blessing the bread, and this is just my thoughts, guys, okay? So don't take this as like gospel truth or anything, but I could so see our Lord breaking that bread and doing the Lord's prayer again over that table. I've heard this before. I've I've only heard one person pray like this before, and it was Christ our Lord. And then it says that their eyes are open. So... I already said it's a supernatural thing that their eyes are open, but I'm just saying, couldn't you see that? Couldn't you see that the Lord is sitting there and as he's breaking the bread and blessing it, they're like, oh, oh, this is him. You know, they're excited now. But what it says right after that, guys, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. That to me is just one of the, unexplainable things of the resurrected Lord, how he's just disappearing and reappearing, but being a body of flesh. And we're not going to waste time on any of that. We're going to go to that next verse. 32, they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning in us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Their hearts were burning in them. You guys know that feeling if you have walked with the Lord for any period of time. I know that you do. For some of us, it happens in private Bible study. For some of us, it's in corporate worship. For some of us, it's just when we're hearing a specific sermon that is convicting. And it's hitting us right where we need to be hit. That burning. Guys, there's so many of us who come to church. We get that burning in our hearts. And we go home with nothing but heartburn. If you have a burning in your heart today, if you have a burning in your heart, it's not a coincidence. It's the Lord speaking to you, telling you something. Have an action that follows that burning. Do something about it. Go home and dig in deeper. Find out what the Lord is trying to show you. Don't go home with heartburn. Go home with a burning heart for the Lord, excited. And what does that look like? Let's keep reading. That very hour... They got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them gathered together who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them and the breaking of the bread. If Christ has been made known to you, 
if you have a right understanding, if you rightly see Christ, that ought to be your response, guys. The burning in your heart sends you home to find someone to share this with. Sends you to work on Monday morning to find someone to share this with. If you rightly see Christ, share him. Make others rightly see Christ. Did the stories prove that they were true? Did the angels? Did the women? Did the disciples? Who proved it? Jesus himself. So my, my sincere request to you guys is I don't know exactly where each of you are in your walks. And I will never assume we're all just good to go, okay? If you know sincerely that you are immature in your faith and you struggle with trusting in the Lord, or if you have not made a decision for the Lord, if Christ is not Lord of your life and you're questioning that, you're wondering about that, do not allow yourself to get into the hypotheticals. What if I'm wrong? What if it didn't happen? Our faith in our risen Lord is not based on hypotheticals. It is not based on any kind of blind faith. It is based on a certainty of the fulfillment of God's promises, okay? A certainty of the fulfillment of God's promises. We have hope, we have a sense of faith in our future walking with the Lord because of our certainty of what he did 2,000 years ago, right? This is fact. This is fact. This is not up for debate. This is not up for discussion. Nothing. And let me tell you something, guys. Two witnesses. Scripture tells us two witnesses is all it takes to take that court trial. That's all that would have been necessary. Two eyewitnesses. What does our Bible tell us? Over 500 eyewitnesses saw him. And the apostles in the book of Acts promise and prove this fact that he appointed a day to judge the living of the land and the dead by the man Christ Jesus, whom he raised from the dead. So you better put your hope in the one that is certain. If you rightly see Christ, go tell people, put your hope in him, be certain in that, and let that hope and faith be infectious when you go to people. Let them see how excited you are. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Easter 2.0 this year, guys. He is risen. We are free. We do not walk in shame. I was reading Isaiah this last night, talking about Isaiah being stripped naked in shame for three years as a, as a symbol of his faithfulness to Christ. Christ was stripped naked on that cross. This is another one of those times, guys. We will never be naked in shame before our Lord because of what Christ did and his risen body proving it should give you a sense of hope that carries you with confidence, singing praises to our Lord this week. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all that you have done. 
We thank you for the certainty that we have in these promises, Lord. We thank you for the preservation of this gospel truth. We thank you for what you've done. We are so unworthy, Lord. There's not one person in this room who has merited anything. There's not one of us who's good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, anything. We all stand before you, Lord, cloaked in the righteousness of Christ because of what you did on our behalf. Give us a sense of confidence this week, Lord. I pray that you would spark a desire, give a burning in the hearts of these men and women to go and dive into your Old Testament and know that Christ is the Messiah from beginning to end. And Lord, we have the New Testament, so we go John to Revelation too, Lord. Show us how to walk this scripture and explain it and make you known to the people because you rising again and defeating death is the only reason we have hope at all. It is in Jesus' name we stand victorious. It is in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.